Welcome to Bridgewater Vestal. It's good to have you here today. My name is Brett. I'm one of the pastors at Bridgewater, and we are in a brand new series called Crazy Faith. It was brand new last week, but week two is pretty close to brand new. Um, we learned last week about the overview of crazy faith, and um, we, actually, Bob Brown sat in a little yellow chair up here, and people went home saying, what'd you learn? Well, I learned that that little, that little chair is pretty strong. It could hold up Jeff. It could hold up Bob. <clears throat> but crazy faith. We, we talked about believing that God could do something greater than we could ever imagine. Uh, does God have the ability to do way more than we could ever imagine? And if we have crazy faith, believing that God can do more, what does that look like? So we are headed in that direction today. We defined crazy faith this way. We said crazy faith is thoughts and actions that may seem unreasonable, but trusting fully in what you can't explicitly prove. I don't exactly know how God's going to do it. I don't exactly know how it can happen humanly, but I know he can do it. I, I don't know how it's gonna, he's going to pull it off. I, you know, I don't know how we're going to get, but crazy faith says, oh, no, no, God, God's going to show up and he's going to do it. But it doesn't make human sense. You know, it doesn't make logical sense. No, crazy faith believes God's going to do it. So that is what we're talking about today. And today we're, we're going to kind of establish the fact that crazy faith is, it isn't a starting point. Crazy faith is, is a place that you get to if you begin with baby faith. Now, baby faith doesn't sound very flashy, does it? Woo, I have baby faith. I mean, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't do anything for me. It's, it's not the faith that would part the Red Sea, and we all want that one. You know, I just want to see lightning come down and strike my neighbor. And No, um, <laughs> that kind of thing. But baby faith is a starting point. And we're going to learn today that baby faith has great power. So if you have your Bibles, I want to ask you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 17. That's where we're going to be sitting today. We are going to bounce around a little bit, but all those verses on the screen. But Matthew chapter 17, Jesus is hanging around with his disciples. He's going different places. He's having a huge ministry. There's large groups of people that are gathering uh, each place that Jesus shows up. His disciples are following along and watching him. And he talks to them about faith in Matthew chapter 17. So Matthew 17, beginning with verse 14, here, here's what it says. When they, when they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire and into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. Okay, so here's what's happening. Apparently, this man shows up. Jesus is there. The man has his son, maybe carrying him. And he says to Jesus, please heal my son. My son is really sick. He's doing some crazy things. I cannot control him. Please heal my son. He says even more than that. He says, I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. And in Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, Jesus had given the disciples power to heal. Um, it, it says there that he, Jesus gave 
them authority to drive out impure spirits and heal every disease and sickness. So apparently, the disciples had been healing other people. I would imagine that this man was with his son, watching the disciples heal other people. And then when it was his turn in line, didn't work. So what does he do? He takes his son and he finds Jesus. Okay, let's, let's keep going. It says, uh, Jesus said in verse 17, You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. It sounds almost like Jesus is disgusted. The disciples are there hanging their heads. Like, we failed this one. We, we, we felt like we did everything right. We, we, you know, we did step one, then step two, step three. Uh, I don't know where we went wrong. And Jesus is like, ah, how long do I have to put up with this? Bring, bring your son here. Now, Matthew or Mark 9 has the exact same story. And in Mark 9, verses 23 and 24, this is, this is what we read. Jesus said, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Jesus is saying, you, you need some faith. And, and the father is saying, I have a little. Like, that's why I brought him to you. I, I have a little. I have baby faith. Could you help me? have more. Well, that's what we're going to talk about today, baby faith. Jesus is the one who can give us more faith. Here's what he says in, in, let's keep reading. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed at that moment. Jesus did exactly what I would expect, right? He did exactly what you would expect. He healed the guy's son but if you're the disciples and you're standing there watching this, don't you kind of have that failure feeling in the pit of your stomach? <laughs> Great. I, I, can just, I can just hear him. I, this is what my brother and I would have been doing. You're like, I told you, you say, see how he said that word, the? We didn't say that. See, we did, we did and. And, and. So we have to say exactly what he said. Or, or no, 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 he, he brought the kid and then he positioned him facing northward. We did it southward. We got it all wrong. You know, I'm sure they were trying to figure out, what did we do wrong? <laughs> we, I feel like we did exactly what he did. <clears throat> it's kind of like if you're a parent and somebody says to your child to do something and they come home and say, well, I'm going to do this. And you're like, well, good. Why? Because Tommy's dad said that that was what I should do. And you're like, that's what we say every day. I know, but Tommy's dad said it. And I would imagine the disciples were frustrated. They're like, come on. This is ridiculous. What, what did we do wrong? <clears throat> so here's what they did. Verse 19, then the disciples came to Jesus in private, which is exactly how I would do it. I'm not having a scene here with all these people watching. Okay, I'm waiting until we're alone, you know, in the fig trees. I'm like, all right, Jesus, what went wrong? So then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? Jesus replied, because you have so little faith. Five times in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus accuses the disciples of having 
little faith. There's something there that Jesus was really trying to bang into his disciples. What is this little faith? The problem with the disciples is their faith was too small. Jesus goes on then, verse 20, Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you could say to that mountain, move over there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. So here's what Jesus did. He looked around. He saw the largest object he could find, a mountain. And he said, you know what? If you had faith the size of a mustard seed. Now, I, I happen to bring some mustard seeds. I have three in my hand right here in my fingers. Three. I'll take one. And I'll throw it at Chevelle. I'll take two more. I'll throw one over there and throw one over there. They're so small. You probably don't even believe I threw them. I have them. These are mustard seeds. Okay. The, they are the teeniest. And, and Jesus says, if, if you had faith, disciples, the size of a mustard seed, you could say to that mountain, Move over there and it would move. His disciples had to be horrified because <laughs> they're like, oh, that's how small our faith is. Um, it's baby faith. They're, they're just teeny little brown seeds. Baby faith. I think sometimes we get it backwards in our lives. I think, I think sometimes I begin to think that I need mountain-sized faith in order to move a seed sized problem when really Jesus turns it around and says, oh no, no. All you need is seed sized faith to move a mountain size problem. Baby faith. So here's the definition of baby faith. Baby faith is the ability to trust God at his word. More specifically, it's this. God said it I believe it. God said it's true. I believe it. God said it will happen. I believe it will. God said he could do this. I believe he can. Baby faith. It's, it's just taking what God said. If God said it, then I believe it's true. That's baby faith. It's not stepping out into another whole arena, a whole universe of faith that we don't even have. No, no, no. It's, it's what we have. It's just simply reading what we have and believing it, taking God at his word. But if it was that easy, we wouldn't have a sermon on it, would we? If it was that easy, I wouldn't struggle with it, would I? It's not that easy. It sounds easy. Well, yeah, duh. It's in the Bible. I believe that. But there's, there's a big difference between me knowing what the Bible says and me actually believing what the Bible says. So, baby faith. <clears throat> My wife and I went on a journey of baby faith. And uh, back in 2005, I was at the office at church. I got a call from Nicole saying something bad has happened. We've got to go to the hospital. Uh, she was expecting our fourth child at the time. And we rushed to the hospital in a matter of minutes. 
we were in surgery. We, she was in surgery. I was sitting there with her, and uh, they were delivering a baby that shouldn't be coming. And we had to have faith. And we delivered, we, she delivered this baby, um, and we didn't have a name for it, and we didn't know what to do next. What do you do? We had to trust God at his word. What did his word say? I will never leave you or forsake you. Okay, we believe that. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. Okay, do we believe that? Be strong and courageous for the Lord your God to be with you wherever you go. Okay, in those moments, do I believe that? Be anxious about nothing, but in everything. Through prayer, let your requests be made known to God, and a peace that you don't understand will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Okay, am I going to cling to that? In moments like that? Well, God said it in his word. See, if you want to have baby faith, it starts with a dependency on God. And I don't know about you, but for me, that dependency usually comes in desperation. I usually do not depend on God like I should until I'm desperate for God. But if, if we want baby faith, God puts us in spots that we have to have something. Do we have faith in ourselves or do we have faith in God? So that day, our son James came into the world. We came up with that name during the emergency C-section. Uh, we, we didn't have a name for him. We didn't have a plan for him. He was too small and his heart didn't work and his lungs didn't work and he couldn't drink and he was in neonatal. Well, what do you do? Well, if you want to have a little faith, it starts with dependence. A dependency on God. That, uh, that whole baby faith, I, I really think that, that Jesus wishes we were like children during those times. Jesus talks about that in chapter 18, about how we're supposed to be having childlike faith. I'll read some of those verses. He, he specifically says to his disciples, they had been arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom in the next chapter. And Jesus said, he, he called a little child to him and placed the child along with them. And, and he said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like a little child, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of a child is the greatest in the kingdom. Children know how to depend on people. Ch children know how to depend on adults. Children trust. We're not good at trust, ladies and gentlemen. Adults are not good at that. I, I, I had a conversation with Jesse. He's 10 years old. I had a conversation with him last Sunday on the way home. And I, I said to Jesse, you know what? We should get ice cream this afternoon. Jesse did not say to me, ah, Dad, if we get ice cream, will we have enough money on Wednesday to put gas in the car? You know, Dad, I'm, I'm just wondering, have we paid all the bills this month? Like, do we have a little extra to get ice cream this afternoon? 
Dad, these, these ice cream chips, if they continue, will that cut into my inheritance? <laughs> no. You know, what, you know what Jesse did? He heard me say, we're going to go get ice cream, and he believed. His only questions were, so when are we going? You know, could we stop on the way home and then come back and stop again later on? Those were his questions. Why? Because he has childlike faith. He depends on us. As adults, we get jaded and cynical through life. You know why? Because we've watched too many sham wow commercials. Too many Vegomatics, too many juicers, too many Thighmaster infomercials. And we watch those, and as adults, we become cynical and jaded, and we don't believe somebody's word. No, you're not getting me on that one. You said you'd show up at this time. You didn't. God says he's going to show up. Nah, he, he, he probably won't. I'm too smart for that. There goes our baby faith. It, it's, it's terrible, but I think it's true. <clears throat> I, we know God could, but we've been disappointed so much in our lives that, that we believe he probably won't show up. In, in, in many of our lives, we plan God right out. I don't know if you realize this, but but our plans oftentimes take us away from dependency on God. My prayers oftentimes take God out of the equation. I don't know if you realize this, but most of our prayers are pleased with God to take us away from dependence on Him and allow us to have freedom. God, please provide financially so that I can retire. Well, why? Because then I won't have to have my daily bed provided from you. I'll have a great plan. God, please take this physical something away from me. Why? Because now I'm every day depending on you and I'm praying, saying, please get me through the day. Please get me through the day. But if you took that away from me, I wouldn't have to be dependent on you. And I think I pray myself out of dependence on God. Instead of embracing and learning independence, in dependence on God through faith. Nicole and I were uh, in that neonatal unit with Jesse for about a month, maybe a little more. <laughs> praying that God would save his life and heal him. It, it was a lot like that father in Matthew 17, having to be dependent in desperation that God would do something greater than us. Baby faith. Baby faith. You see, baby faith doesn't only take dependency, but, but, but baby faith grows by trusting. And my faith grew as I saw God begin to work in my little child's life. And, and as I watched God heal him in, in different ways, when, when they 
said, you know, why don't you try to feed him without the feeding tube? You know, why don't we, why don't we take him out of the incubator and you can dress him? Um, and this, these, are, these are two pictures of that. And one of these pictures is uh, of Nicole sitting there with the first bottle that he drank. I also went around the neonatal every day and I, I checked the weights of the other babies just to see if James was the heaviest. It's a little competition. And then he'd go back to his crib and either tell him, you got to grow more. There's one baby over there, three rows over that's bigger. Or I'd say, yeah, you're the fattest baby here. <clears throat> but my faith grew because God's faithfulness was everywhere. You see, my faith grows through trusting. And your faith can grow through trusting. <clears throat> David said in Psalm 34, 8, he said, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Do you want to know if God can be trusted, if God can be depended on? Try him. Taste and see. That's what David was saying. David said, I, I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and he delivered me from all my struggles. Psalm 31, 30, Psalm 34, 1 and 2. And he delivered me. And then he goes on in verse 8 and says, you know what? Hey, you, yeah, if you're questioning, try him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. He will not fail you. Yeah, but you don't understand, my, my earthly father... <clears throat> He was awful. I can't trust it. Oh, no, no. He's not an earthly father. No, taste and see. You don't understand. I had a terrible upbringing. I can't trust anyone. Oh, no, no. He's not an anyone. No, taste and see. You want to see your faith grow? Put a baby faith in God and watch what he does. He is trustworthy, and his faithfulness will be very evident over time. One of the problems is you and I are terrible at remembering God's faithfulness. We're awful at it. We're awful at it. We are not the only ones. The, the children of Israel, the Israelites in the Old Testament, they were awful at it too. Okay. The, the children of Israel, this Israelite nation, they were delivered out of Egypt. They had been slaves for 430 years. They were freed by God. And they got to the Red Sea, and you know what they did? They just said, well, he was a huge God in Egypt, so he's going to be... No. They said, how come we're at the Red Sea? We could have died back in Egypt. What does God do? He parts the Red Sea and says, go on through. They walk through in faith. The walls of water on both sides. They get to their side. They're like, yeah, <clears throat> our God is great. This is amazing. And a few days later, where's the food? We can't trust this God. God says, oh, no, no, here's manna every morning. Yeah, our God's great. This is amazing. Until, and this just goes on and on and on and on and on. We're thirsty. We wish we had meat. How are we going to ever capture that city? On and on and on. Until they get to the foot of Mount Sinai. And Moses goes up to get the Ten Commandments. And the Israelite nation, 
they had a big, huge celebration, and they said, wow, we just want to celebrate God's faithfulness and our dependency on him. He delivered us from Egypt. He brought us through the Red Sea. We had a chance to get manna. We had quail. We had a... No, they didn't do any of that. You know what they did? They completely forgot that God had ever been faithful and that they could ever depend on God. And they had a huge celebration. That part was true. But it was about a golden cow, not about an amazing God. I think we do that too. On the other side of the Jordan River, Moses said, I want you to get 12 stones. I want you to make a monument. And I want to make a monument so we remember what God did right here in this place. And the people said, well, how come we have to do that? And he said, because I want your grandkids and their kids to ask, how come those 12 stones are there? Why do we build an altar there? And I want you to tell them, God showed up here. God was faithful to us. He is worthy of faith. He is worthy of everything we can give him. So I want to challenge you as families, do that same thing. This is, this is the Bixby blessing box right here. In this box, we have a bunch of things that remind us of how God showed up in our lives. You know why? Because I'm stupid and I forget. I quickly, in desperation, yell at God because he's not faithful and he surely can't get me out of this mess because I forgot the last hundred messes God got me out of. Or the hundred messes God showed up in amazing ways to accomplish his purposes and his wills, even if I didn't love them at the time. So, in this box, this is a notebook of how God provided financially for the Bixby's way more than we ever asked or deserved while we were in ministry in Poughkeepsie, New York. And there's line after line after line in there of, of things that I wrote down about how God provided for us. $500 from the overseer, special gift. Free load of wood. Free load of wood. Found work. Cutting down trees, $500. $1,000 offering out of the blue we didn't know. I mean, just on and on and on and on and on. Um, a storm came and our awning fell down. $7,600 from the insurance company to provide for our needs. We, we just kept track of God's faithfulness. Here's another one. This is James' hat that he wore home from neonatal. God's faithfulness, right? This is a letter from a lady who God got a hold of her life and radically changed her. I'm going to read it later. Um, God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who puts their hope and trust in him. You see, baby faith, it, it begins by a dependency on God. It is grown through keeping track of his faithfulness and then trusting in him more and more. I, I think sometimes we even, instead of growing on our baby faith, we forget our baby faith. And, and we need to keep track of it. Finally, baby faith happens by asking. It happens by asking. 
I, I, I firmly believe that, that the prayers, that, that prayer moves the hand of God to action. I, I, I firmly believe that. And if you don't believe that, you need to do a study on prayer. Because God's word says, prayer changes things. In James chapter 5, the author of James, I, I love these verses on prayer. Here's what he said. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And then he gives an example. He says, Elijah was a superhuman being who had the gift of... No, that's not what he says. He says, the prayer of a a righteous man is powerful and effective. The prayer of a person, righteous person, is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being just like us. Normal. Even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Now what do you do with those verses? Those verses say that prayer moves the hand of God to action. So if I have baby faith, which means that I believe what God said is true, believing God at his word, and those verses say that our prayers have an impact and, and I don't understand, okay, I'm not saying I understand how that works, but somehow the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being just like us, and he prayed it wouldn't rain on the earth, and it didn't rain for three and a half years, and then again he prayed, and the skies brought forth rain, huh. <laughs> maybe prayer does move the hand of God to action, and maybe asking is the part we're missing. Nicole and I prayed a lot during that time in our lives. We, we prayed a lot for James. We prayed a lot for his health. We prayed a lot for <clears throat> his life. We didn't know whether he would make it, but he did. And God would still be good even if he hadn't made it, but he did. And uh, that picture... This one over here, this is Annika, his older sister. She's 18 now. She wasn't 18 in the picture. Um, that's the first time she saw him. Because in neonatal, she wasn't allowed to go in. She was too young. And we just told her she had a little brother. And there she got to hold him and see that he was real. Um, I pray to God with expectation because I believe that our prayers move the hand of God to action. How do you pray? What do we need to be asking God for? Some of of you need to be praying, God, restore my broken family. Bring home my wayward child. Some of us need to be praying, God, please restore our families. We haven't talked in 10 years, but I pray that you would bring us together at Christmas regardless of that. Some of us need to be praying in faith that God will take that, that cynical, vile, critical coworker and have them sitting right here by you in church. Could God do that? No question. There's four flowers there today reminding us that God is still at work. Isn't it just like God to, to do something like that in Vestal 
with three out of four of those flowers from Vestal, when there's, when there's no campus pastor here, and God says, still my church, I got this. That's what he loves to do. You know who gets glory? He does. <laughs> he does. Maybe you're here today and you think that depression or divorce or death or some other circumstance in your life is way too big for God to do anything about it. It's not. Jesus looked at that mountain and said, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, baby faith, you could ask me to do something about that mountain, I'd do it like that. Your problem with healing that boy wasn't, wasn't the method you used, it was the lack of faith. And I wonder about us. How are we in baby faith? Not even crazy faith. I'm not even going there. Baby faith. So three questions. <clears throat> Question number one. Have you planned God right out of your life? Have you, have you prayed any chance for, for dependence on God right out? What, are, what is there in your life that you need to be dependent on God for? Is there anything in your life right now that you are being totally dependent on God for and if he doesn't show up you're in deep trouble or, or is your life so planned and your contingency plans so strong that if God doesn't show up nobody will ever know the difference number two there you need to begin recording God's faithfulness. Is it time for you as a family to start recording God's goodness, God's faithfulness? It may not even be for you. It may be for your children. But having something that we can point back to and say, so Jesse picks up a rock and says, Dad, what's this? Why is this in here? He did that this morning. That rock right there, honey, that, that rock, our driveway washed out. And one of our friends came over. And instead of charging us $52,000, which the quote was, to put in new culverts and a new driveway, he did it for free. We have a rock in there because of God's faithfulness. No reason I should doubt God. No reason. But you know what? The next time something comes up, I will and I can go back to this, and I can be reminded of God's amazing, amazing faithfulness. I can trust him. And hopefully my baby faith will grow past that because of what I have in here. And finally, <clears throat> what do you need to ask God for today? I'm casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. That situation in your life that's so large and heavy that you're not even sure he can take it, he wants to. He wants to. What if you prayed and asked God to just deal with it? Are you asking for anything big today that only God could do? <clears throat> this is a... I probably shouldn't read it. This is a note I got from one of my best friend's wives when we left Poughkeepsie and came to, to Bridgewater 12 years ago. And it was at the going away party and she gave it to me. And... <clears throat> They, uh, 
she left him and went and lived in, in Connecticut with, with a boyfriend that she'd met on MySpace, which used to be something years ago. And uh, he would come to my office and cry every day, and we'd pray. And she served him with papers, divorce papers, and we'd pray. And he carried those papers around in his truck. He was a contractor. And we'd pray, and we'd pray, and we'd pray, and we'd pray. The last day came when he either had to sign them or didn't have to sign them, but it was going to go through. And we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed. And she came back out of the blue. And she said, I can't go through with this. God got a hold of me. Will you take me back? Who does that? Without a God, who does that, right? And she wrote me this, this note. I just wanted to say thank you for everything. Out of all the people at, at Tabernacle, you impacted my life the most. I want to thank you for that. I, I thank you for chasing me down when I needed it the most. You helped save my marriage, my spiritual life. Your prayers saved me from self-destruction. If you ever have a day when you feel as though reaching someone may be hopeless, think back to me and how the Lord used you to save my life in so many ways. I know there are people at Bridgewater who need your prayers just as much as I did. Remember, you are there for a reason and with a purpose. In Christ, Jen. You think prayer changes things? It does. Here's the problem. I forget. And so I keep this in here. Because I want to remember. Baby faith is huge, ladies and gentlemen. It is huge. It starts with a dependency on God. It moves through and grows with as we trust God and see his faithfulness. And ultimately... We begin asking in expectation for big things because we start with baby faith. Let me pray for you. Father, this is, I am not great at this, and I, I, I you know that, and, and I want to confess that right up front. I, I forget at how amazing you are. I, I forget your faithfulness. I I doubt you. I, I pray myself or plan myself right out of dependence on you all the time. And I'm sorry for that. God, please help all of us. Help us to be people of faith. Help us to start with baby faith. And then I pray that our faith would grow to a crazy faith level where, where we would believe in you for, for everything. You're a huge God. And I don't give you enough credit. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for the lives that you changed even this week. God, please don't stop working. And if we're in your way, just move us out of the way. I pray most of all that you would build it into our lives, build faith into our lives. Like that guy prayed, Lord, I I believe a little. Help my unbelief. In Jesus' name, amen.